and this is my Slovak experience. Hello everybody, this is my Slovak experience podcast and today I'm finally living Bratislava. My guest, Vicky Shepard, is an editor, writer and science teacher originally from Britain that has lived in Piesceni for 11 years now. Vicky came to Slovakia with her husband and they have been living in Piesceni for more than a decade, despite the fact that they only came for two years. She's about to go back to the UK this summer, so this interview is a bit of a farewell to Slovakia. What does it mean for a foreigner to live in a small Slovak town like Piesceni? And what are her options and thoughts before her departure? So please welcome Vicky Shepard. Enjoy and thank you so much for listening. I'm here with Vicky Shepard. So, Vicky, uh, thank you for being on my Slovak experience. You're welcome. So, tell me, tell me something um, about. So, you you are originally from 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 Britain. Yes, yes. Both my husband and I originally came from Britain. And you are now living in Slovakia, right? Yes. And how long have you been living here? Well, we originally came for two years, and eleven years later, we're still here. So, it's been it's been a fun experience. So, eleven years yes, later. Yes, eleven years later. My husband's. I, I came because my husband got the job here. Um, he was building a factory. Essentially, they had a. I think the best description for it is a cow shed. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's turned that from being a cow shed into an electrical molding company, mm -hmm. a plastic molding company. So originally his contract was for two years to get that up and running, but then he stayed on and has kept building up the company. So, so the, the, and, and when you when you came was uh uh, a kind of a different experience than it's oh, now, right? Oh, absolutely. So tell me, tell me more about perhaps when the, the first days or, okay. uh, you know, what do you know about Slovakia before coming here? Right. Um, I didn't know very much. I did know it wasn't Slovenia, which a lot of British people don't. <laughs> I think that's because the whole Bosnia thing was in people's minds when we came over and they just naturally assumed that we were going to Slovenia and into a war zone um, but uh, no we, we had tried to learn some Slovak before we came um, my husband had been coming to Slovakia for sort of business trips over about five years before we moved so he knew the country quite well I'd been over once and I met him in um, Shalina and we travelled back to Bratislava and we went through Piersznani and sort of on the train and that sort of thing. So we kind of knew a little bit about the country, but not very much. Um, when we came over, we, we drove over because we had the two dogs at the time. So we piled the dogs in the car and we drove from Britain to Piersznani. Um, and... One of the things I remember, which is not necessarily relevant to living in Slovakia, but my niece was born on the night we were driving 
here. So I always remember the date, and that was the 19th of December, so it was just before Christmas. Um, we finally got to the house we were renting, because mm -hmm. we rented for the first two years. Um, and the people there were lovely. They welcomed us and with all the Christmas hospitality that Slovaks have. Um, and then my husband went off to work and took the car and left me in the middle of Piyashtani. And it was a very strange experience. It was like living in a bubble because I couldn't make contact with people outside of making eye contact or facial gestures and that sort of thing. Couldn't speak to anybody. I couldn't even ask where a shop was. I didn't have that much Slovak. So I kind of went for lots of long walks and looked around at the buildings. And mm. literally, it was like being slightly removed from reality, like being in this big bubble, because I could see everything that was going on, and it was fascinating. But you couldn't interact But I so couldn't much. interact with anybody, no. So... That, that was my very first impression. And my second impression was trying to find a turkey for Christmas Day, which I totally failed to. <laughs> um, we had pork that year. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it was fun. But that was because of um, you didn't know where to find the turkey or you didn't know how to call it? or what Well, was no, I, I didn't know where to find one. Um, to be To be honest, I don't know if this was me mm -hmm. or if this was Slovakia, but 11 years ago it seems that turkeys for Christmas were not that popular or either that or they'd all been bought before mm -hmm. I got there. Um, because I did go to Tesco's, <laughs> which you'd think, you know, Tesco's is safe. I know all Tesco's, but Tesco's is very different as well. Okay. Um, but uh, no, it was just little things. Everything was so unfamiliar. And I couldn't ask for anything. I think that was the big thing. Mm. But in a way, that was liberating. Because it made me look more. It made me watch people more. Um, I think in our everyday lives, we tend to not ignore people, but we sort of pass them by and don't really take much notice of them. Because... We don't need to. We, mm -hmm. you know. But every time I wanted to cross a road, I was looking to see what other people were doing because I wasn't familiar with the process, if you like. It's like being a child again. So you, you see the things as the first time? Yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed that experience in the end. Sometimes it was frustrating. Sometimes it was difficult. But mm -hmm. on the whole, it... Like I say, it was very liberating. I enjoyed it very much. And it made me open my eyes more and look at the world around me more. Because I was looking for signals, I suppose. Were you also like uh, comparing, you know, your experience in Britain with uh, Slovakia and finding, you know, what... I, I think that's inevitable. Um, you, you do compare. Mm. But I also think when you move to a new country, you have to be open to the change you you can't keep comparing it with home mm -hmm. because that's not fair either to home or to the country you've moved to you have to accept what's there and embrace mm. it i think so uh, that's what i tried to do certainly <laughs> and uh, how how is um, 
the life in uh, in Piesce you know, after you know, 11 years like uh, you know from the uh, being you know hard to to communicate and interact mm -hmm. so how, how is it now after um it's it feels normal now it feels like I, I i know where to go to get things i know how to ask for things mm -hmm. i have enough slovak that i can sort of buy things and ask shop assistants for things uh, not very good conversationally but basic everyday things i can manage so um it's sort of it's lost its glow if you like when we first came here it had glow it was exciting it was new mm -hmm. now it's just living <laughs> now it's more uh, yeah, home yeah. Uh, do you consider this place like your home now or uh, how, how do you see slovakia yeah pretty much the trouble is i refer to the uk as home mm -hmm. when i say you know say i'm going home this week to the uk but that's mainly because my family lives there and when i say i'm going home i'm going home to my family mm -hmm. whereas This I also consider home, but this is my home, where I live. So it's two different interpretations of the word home. Home, there's an English saying, home is where the hearth is. Yeah. Um, and the family counts as my hearth in the UK. So if I'm going somewhere where the family isn't, mm -hmm. I'm going to the UK. If I'm going to see my family, I'm going home. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think about it in those terms, but I think that's at the back of my thoughts when I say things and so yeah here is home in one respect do you have experience also in some other foreign country living there uh, not living there exactly um, my mother comes from Texas okay. and so we have spent a lot of time in the USA um, very long holidays three or four months over yeah. the summer and things like that again visiting family But uh, no, this is the first foreign country I've really immersed myself in and lived in. And how do you enjoy the Slovak experience? What do you like in particular about Slovakia? Ooh, um, certainly the scenery mm. um, and the forests and the mountains and all of that sort of thing. I love that. I like being outside. Um, I like... I like the Slovak people. I find them very hospitable. Um, whenever you you meet someone, they're they're always quite pleased to welcome you. And I don't know if that's being a foreigner, or if that's the general case. Um, as a sort of an example of that, what I find is when I go somewhere. And I always start off by asking if they speak English. Mm -hmm. And very often they say no. And then I start to try and talk Slovak very, very badly. And everybody then starts to talk English to me and uh, tries and they point to things and they're really, really helpful. So I like that about Slovak. I don't think you get that in the UK. I think everybody's too busy in the UK to... Or expects English to be known. Hmm? Or expects that English is like yeah, uh, has to be known yeah, by if you, if you can't speak English, you've got no business being there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've always hated that attitude, and that's partly why I feel I have failed a little bit in my ability to speak Slovak. I think after 11 years, I should be quite fluent, and I'm not. 
Um, so my advice to anyone moving here is really make an effort to learn the language. It's hard, but it would be worthwhile, I think. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it could take perhaps 10 years, mm. right, to get to a... But um, yes. uh, that's also my experience, yeah. yeah. I'm not fluent yeah. yet, so I, I, I perhaps I know I can understand majority of the things mm. and so but if I need to go and have a proper conversation where I'm expressing my deep thoughts, yeah. then I find um, that I'm not able to express yes. what I would like to, yes. right? And that's where I, I think I'm not fluent yeah. enough. Uh, but this is because I never gave so much of an effort. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come by osmosis or no. just no. because you're here, that, that's a problem. No. But um, in... in The UK, we, we are taught French and Spanish and German in schools. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to learn French and some Spanish. But the difference in the roots of those languages to Slovak, the Slavic languages, the difference in the roots, you, you can sort of see a similarity between yeah. French and Spanish, but there's no similarity between French and Slovak. Of It's course. completely different. The grammar's completely different. Perhaps Russian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and yeah. Uh, sort of, we have over the years developed a situation where, because my husband is at work all day in in a factory with everybody speaking Slovak, while he doesn't speak very much Slovak, he understands it a lot better mm -hmm. than I do. Whereas my, I can say things, I can say more things than he can. Mm -hmm. I, I can ask questions and things like that, but I don't necessarily under the understand the answers. So we kind of work in tandem, <laughs> mm. where he, and he interprets what people are saying and I say things back. So it it's, sort of works. <laughs> hmm. And, I mean, that, that's a nice part of, um, uh, as well, of being... Uh, living, I think, in a foreign country that, mm -hmm. or a country that is, is basically not where, where you're born. Is that you need to be creative sometimes yes. as well? Yes. Uh, and you understand the real value of communication and yes. that is not only verbal, right? So, I mean, we, we are talking about two people that have been living for mm. more than a decade in a country and they don't speak so fluently the language, but yeah. still, I feel okay. I can yeah. do right? Yeah, no, no, most of the time I'm fine. Um, the only real big hiccup where I really wished I could speak Slovak, I had to go into hospital last year for yeah. an operation, and that I found incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, that was the only time I haven't been able to rise to the challenge, I suppose. That was the only time I haven't felt that it was a real problem not being able to speak the language. But I came through it. It was fine. Everybody, like I say, was very kind and very understanding, and there were no real problems. So, but just that having been able to have a conversation with a doctor, yeah, and like understand a, 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 what was going on and what you feel. And yeah, exactly. yeah, that that would have been good. And to be fair, most of the doctors did speak English. Yeah. It was the nurses and the ward staff who didn't, which is fair enough. There's no reason for them to. But uh, it would have been nice to be able to communicate a bit more in that situation. But uh, that's the only time I really felt it a real disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And uh, how is... Because the I, I, majority of people I that were guests in my Slovak experience uh, are living in Bratislava, right? So they mm -hmm. are 
uh, in the capital yes. where there is much more of an uh, international presence. Many work for international companies, so they always deal with uh, many nationalities. So it's a kind of you know melting pot of mm-hmm. uh, cultures and languages yeah. and so. But but Piacenza is a bit far away from the capital, right? Yes. So uh, how is it? The, your experience there like do you deal often with the foreigners or with non-Slovak or mostly Slovak so describe me a bit of your it's environment and mostly life Slovaks I think I have been teaching English um, so I've met some English native English speakers through that um, who are also teaching but mainly um, it's Slovaks who I interact with mm. in Piyashnani and We could have lived in Bratislava, but it would have been a long commute to my husband's factory. And I think probably we maybe have had a truer experience living in Piestani. Um We've seen sort of... Uh, truer experience is not maybe the right way to describe it, but we've seen how most of Slovakia live rather than the people who live in Bratislava. Mm-hmm. How, I hesitate to say normal, but how normal Slovak uh, towns So that were. is like more close to yeah. the culture, Slovak yeah, culture, yeah, and so less, uh, how to say, less influenced by the yeah. cosmopolitan. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think probably for a native Slovak it works the other way around, going to Bratislava gives you an experience to see part you know other influences from the rest mm-hmm. of the world but we kind of wanted the slovak influences we wanted to experience slovakia mm-hmm. so uh, just because of your curiosity or any well, i think it's curiosity really yeah. i think anywhere you go is interesting if you dig deep enough mm-hmm. um And uh, maybe that's another slightly frustrating thing about not being able to speak Slovak is there's so much history and culture and traditions mm-hmm. and things that uh, you I've maybe missed out on things or it's taken me a long time to find out things that I might otherwise have found out earlier. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's fun. It's like a bit of detective work sometimes trying to find out things. But that's got its advantages too, mm-hmm. so... So what 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 are the uh instead those aspects that you you don't like or you don't understand why uh they are in like that in in, in Slovakia? Oh, okay. I I think probably the aspects I don't like are not dissimilar to the aspects I like don't like in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's things like having to go and sort out taxes and all that sort of things. But they seem doubly complicated over here, just buying a car and getting the license for it and mm-hmm. working out how to drive on the motorways and all of that becomes more difficult in a foreign country. Um, you kind of grow up, your parents do it, you know what happens, you know how to get a license for a car, you mm-hmm. know what the rules are about driving on the motorways and all that sort of thing. Um, and when you come to a foreign country, all you have to start again. You don't know what the rules are and you have to go and find them out. And um, the the bureaucracy in this country is a little over the top, I think, compared 
to what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. you know, we had to sign 12 copies of one piece of paper when we bought our house. <laughs> and that seemed a bit excessive at the time. I don't know what happened. I don't know who each got a copy of those pieces of paper. But, no. you know, that, that sort of thing is, I find, irritating and annoying. But it's a personal thing, I suppose. I would find it irritating and annoying wherever I lived. So I don't think that's just Slovakia. Um... I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything I truly dislike about Slovakia. Um, but again, maybe... I suppose I don't want to get into the politics too much, but I do find some of the politics a bit distressing. And I, mm -hmm. I was very pleased about the presidential election. Um, I thought that was a good result. Um, Fico, I think, is a bit dodgy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, but again, you see, I, I dislike that, but I'm encouraged by the reaction of the people in the country to what's happening. Um, mm -hmm. So it's all swings and roundabouts. There's some good things, but they're usually balanced by, there's some bad things, but they're usually balanced by the good things. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I I don't I don't know if there is any place in the world where uh, leave citizens are satisfied no. with their political no. scene. There's no utopia. That that would be that would be actually <laughs> a nice place to be, in, right? Uh, but it, it's actually also true that in in some areas of the world, perhaps the dimension change. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I am. Uh, you know, I'm from Italy, so it's a country that perhaps dimensions are similar to the one to to, the, to 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 Britain, and I feel that like the 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 dynamics in Slovakia are very similar to the dynamics of a region in Italy, mm -hmm. right? So where their vicinity to the uh, political parties, uh, the people that are yeah. part of these parties, the vicinity to the so it, it, like you perhaps know somebody. Mm. that is in that party or yeah. that has a friend in that party right? that doesn't happen in bigger countries where no. it's very far away so you're like yeah those dudes far yeah. away in the, so yeah. that changes right? and, and maybe another thing as well is Slovakia is actually a very young country mm -hmm. it's always been here for a long time but as a country Slovakia as a nation is very young and they're still finding their feet I think a little bit you see, so what what does it mean to be Slovak? Who is a Slovak? And I think, uh, but from from the same time, so young, mm -hmm. um, with less opportunity to develop certain kind of. Uh, citizenship yes, behaviors yes, and yes. know-how. I mean, there are customs here, aren't there, that go back a very long time, but they've always been influenced by whoever was in charge mm -hmm. at the time. So you had the Austro-Hungarian Empire, mm -hmm. you had Czechoslovakia, you had Russia being in charge, the USSR. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's it's really nice to see Slovakia coming into its own as Slovakia mm -hmm. and people in Slovakia becoming... Slovaks in their own right and not an appendage to another mm. empire and I, I think that's really refreshing and nice to see 
and um, I'm trying not to sound patronising, I suppose. <laughs> I don't want to sound patronising. I don't mean <laughs> to be patronising. But I, I think somehow coming out of communism, mm -hmm. the brakes were put on a bit. I think the country could have rushed into the new century and rushed into being a capitalist country. And they didn't. They put the brakes on a little bit and things have gone more slowly. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think the change has been less traumatic, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, when we went to, well, I went to Budapest, I think, no, was it Budapest? I think it was Budapest. And they'd taken all the communist era statues out of the city centre mm -hmm. and moved them into a park. Maybe that wasn't Budapest. Can't remember. Anyway, one of the capital cities. Sorry, it might have been Budapest, Budapest, Sofia. Wherever we have, you, you traveled around Europe. Yeah, yes. yeah, I've done a bit of traveling, not very much. <laughs> but it was one capital city, and I'm ashamed that I can't remember the name of it now. But they'd taken all the communist statues mm -hmm. out of the center and put them in a park. And I thought, yeah, that's maybe one way of memorializing, but that's kind of denying your past. So you, you, you think there is a. Um What is the value of, of our past then? Our so, past shapes who we are in the future. I think to understand where you're going and who you are, you have to understand your past mm -hmm. and your history. I'm very much shaped by my sense of My sense of Britishness comes from my sense of British history and mm -hmm. how we've got to where we are. Um, admittedly, at the moment, it's not very <laughs> edifying, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's time to change. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think the past is very important in who you are and where you're going. I think you have to learn from the past and to try and put your past in a box and put it in a cupboard somewhere where you can't see it I think is a mistake mm, because perhaps you have more option to do the same mistakes yeah, again yeah, and again yeah yeah and so sort of little things like that just catch your thoughts and make you think and I think Slovakia has taken a very level headed mm -hmm. route going into the future so i felt that there is there are certain benefits as well of this kind of development that made it slovakia as mm. it is right so um the i i see at least one of the first thing i notice is a bit bit more attention to traditions yes. right yes. um and this is also part of of the historical evolution mm. and uh, it, it has also some benefits right? yes so you maybe it brings people more together but maybe somebody is just saying you know i i hate tradition yeah, i that's yes. uh, that's uh, well, wrong again you know so. you need a variety of people to make yeah. the world interesting but i think you're right one of the things it's a small thing but one of the things i've noticed is that over here i think the children learn folk dancing in school mm -hmm. don't they They all learn the folk dancing and all the Yeah, and they, they have a lot of, uh, at least my, 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 my daughter and son, they have yeah. a lot of songs yes. they, they sing and learn, yes. right? And I have no memory of any song. 
know whatsoever I, from I, my I side. I know some folk songs. I know mainly from Scotland and yeah. Wales and the Celtic countries. But the thing I've noticed is because they all learn that kind of dancing at school, when you go to weddings... You know it, yeah. Or parties or things like that. Everybody gets up and dances. And they all dance together. And it's a very inclusive thing. Yeah. And we don't have anything like that in the UK. Um, sort of the, the closest thing we have is barn, what we call barn dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow keeping that sort of tradition and culture alive. And you see people in traditional folk costumes striding mm-hmm. through Piestani on celebration days and things like that. Yeah. I think that's really nice. And I couldn't tell you what the folk costume of England is. <laughs> I don't think England has a folk costume. <laughs> Or many, depending on the city. <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't know. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think they hanging on to their culture and traditions and I think mm. that's nice. and what is the balance to you because now from one side you know we, we talk about the, uh, that it, it, it's good to, to keep tradition it's nice there are several benefits but from the other side uh, keeping too much a tradition would be also not opening to you know folks like us that yes. are you know, foreigners that bring yes. so you, you you brought definitely some Britishness into Piestani at least the people that are around you I don't know what they learned, but definitely there is a change in them mm. or in their mind because they met you, right? Yes. So yes. how beneficial is also this part? I agree with you. I think you do need to bring in new things, but I think it's an organic process. Mm. I think things get assimilated, some things get discarded. Um Some things get remembered by the next generation mm-hmm. that have been forgotten by their parents and it sort of grows and changes and but the basic elements are there and I think mm. that helps sort of identify who you are mm-hmm. yeah and if you uh, so if you would then change anything of Slovakia like with a magic wand and you would like to uh, from now on just give a transformation to it what would it be hmm. I think I'd make them all speak English that would have made my life much easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think so also the other thing I would like to change about Slovakia is tourist information mm-hmm. um, you, 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 the, you've got all these wonderful places in Slovakia Like, you know, even just up the road, you've got Chaktice Castle. Now, that is seeped in the legend of the Countess Bathory, and people in England and America go absolutely bats for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding out any information about it, being able to go and visit the mansion house that's underneath the castle where she actually lived... Mm-hmm. Um, being able to read in a guidebook the history around that sort of area would enrich an experience. Whereas, I mean, I loved going to Chaktica Castle because there was no fences, there was no entrance fee, there was nothing there. You could just go and wander all over mm. it. And I think that might have changed recently. But when I went, you could just go and see the whole thing and it was a very sort of, you know, exciting thing because mm-hmm. there were no restrictions. 
but um, I would have liked a little more information about it. And when you go to places like Chichmani with all the lace patterns on the houses mm -hmm. and everything like that, um, they had notice boards up there, but they and they had audio guides in Slovak and German, but not in English when we went. And so little things like that, I think, would make people coming to Slovakia mm -hmm. make it much more satisfying in that way. I, I, I don't include Bratislava in that, because I'm sure Bratislava's got all the tourist mm, things More than the Volksnake, maybe sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but in these little places like sort of Chichmani and uh, where else? Um, the Slovak Bethlehem in Teplice mm -hmm. Nadvahom mm -hmm. and places like that, these little places if they just could give a little more I'd, it may they may not get enough English visitors to make it worth their while, I don't yeah. know but just a little more attention to that sort of thing but you never know because I mean, first you first you're ready to host and then people come no? yes, yeah so, so. I, I don't know but uh, yeah, no, I the number of times I've been to the Piestani tourist information and asked questions, like there's another tradition, I think, in Moravani where they throw Morwena, the goddess of the spring or something, mm -hmm. into the river. They sit far to her and throw her in the river. It's a folk tradition that I would have liked to have gone and seen. And I went into the Piestani tourist information to ask, you know, when is it? How do I get there? What do I go and see? And they didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And to Maybe that's because they're the Piestani tourist information and they only deal with Piestani. Mm -hmm. But Moravani isn't that far away. <laughs> it's only down the road. <laughs> and so I don't know where to go and find out information like that. That's something I've struggled with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there are several uh, my Slovak experience guests that were always talking about the foreign police in... Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, regardless of wherever you go, but that is very hard to find English speaker there, right? And there are yeah. interpreters. So, I, if who is supposed to deal with foreigners has yeah. troubles I, I there, I, then I was lucky with that because um, the people from my husband's company, yeah. who are him. all Slovaks, yeah. they I've missed out on all those difficulties because they have done that for us or helped mm -hmm. us to do it. And so my experience was smoothed over a bit mm. by that, I think. It made a lot easier. So, yeah, I am aware of that, but it doesn't figure in my experience. No, but, I mean, th but that means that you are the kind of a tourist guide yeah, yeah. that helped you doing <laughs> yeah, dealing yeah, yeah. with it. So yeah, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and how, you, how is your... Um, um, kind of network uh, in, uh, in in like uh, because Bratislava, many people talk about you know, that they are uh, Slovak friends and uh, you know foreigners because it's colleagues and so on. But in your case, it's a smaller reality. Do you have a um, you know kind of network around Slovak in these eleven years that you built? You are no, actually, uh, more in the UK. We have quite so. a small group of people yeah. we we talk to and. Um, my best friends in both cases have been one from us from America and one from Ireland. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we don't have a great network of friends, but uh, we, we never have had, even in the UK, we never mm -hmm. had a great big group of friends. We've always had a small mm -hmm. sort of selection, so it's not that different, really. I think 
maybe I'm not as sociable as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because, it, again, it all comes down to the language. When you're with a group of Slovaks, I always feel slightly embarrassed because they have to speak English when mm-hmm. I'm there. Um, and, and I feel that's an imposition in a way, that I'm making someone react in a different way to the way they normally would because I'm there. Um, but uh, they all say they don't mind, but, <laughs> you know. Sometimes, sometimes I have this, um, uh, because I, I work for an international company, mm. well, right? But in some, several situations there are... Yeah. Uh, I am the only foreigner, and or the, the only non-Slovak, let's yeah. say. And uh, I, I see, you know, that people all together use English because yeah. I'm there. Right? Yeah. And it's so nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm always happy. It's so nice. Uh, but also yeah. grateful at the same time. I know how uh, easier it would mm. be, right, to use your native yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a little bit of I've been very happy and mm-hmm. I've met some wonderful people and uh, made some good friends. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, uh, what do you do as well now? Um, what okay. are your projects? My projects at the moment? Well, I've, I'm working for the Slovak Spectator now mm-hmm. as an editor, um, which I very much enjoy. I also edit um, fiction, mm-hmm. English fiction. So I work from home, really. Um, I have taught both for uh, language schools and I taught for a while in a school in Verbrave, mm-hmm. uh, which I enjoyed because I was teaching... I was qualified as a science teacher um, in the UK and then when we came over here, it sort of became natural to teach English. And uh, so that school in Verbove offered me the chance to teach science in English to Slovak children, which I enjoyed a great deal. It was, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was very interesting. It was also interesting to compare education methods and standards between Slovakia and the UK. It was a gymnasium, so mm-hmm. it was... So how, how different is it? Um, I think... In Slovakia, the emphasis is more on learning rather than discovery. In in the UK, over the years, children are, certainly in science anyway, are being taught to discover things and work things out. Um, In Slovakia, they are more encouraged to have the knowledge, not to learn the knowledge rather than understand Mm -hmm. where it came from. I think in both cases, if both if both sides were to meet somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. you would have a good education system. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I think too much emphasis is put on rote learning in Slovakia, and too much emphasis is put on discovering things for yourself mm-hmm. in the UK because you need to be taught some knowledge to understand properly, mm-hmm. and I think that's lacking in the UK. And you need to have a sense of curiosity and no methods, scientific method, and how to work things out in Slovakia. Uh, so I think somewhere in the middle would be a good education system. So basically, uh, but because wh- wh- one thing is, uh, you know, is how much we remember 
after we finish our studies, right? So how much of those things we just put in our brain are really mm. part of our memory? So did we really need to yeah. study all those things? Right? So yeah. that's where a discovery helps you to memorize better because mm. it's connected with, with something. Yeah. But from the other side, I recognize you cannot discover if you don't have at least some tools yes, you need some to, tools to do to it. Do so that, so. Both makes sense. So, so that's what you so here more we tell like in Slovakia yes. it's told and explained you need to study yes. read take the books and yes. figure it out I when I was teaching in the school my I was taught to teach using practical experimentation mm-hmm. and the children the kids would go off and do experiments and draw their conclusions from that and I found it very difficult to get laboratory time to teach the kids how to do this because the children I I was teaching hadn't done many experiments. They Mm -hmm. didn't know about scientific method and how to work through an experiment. Um, And uh, so I think it was... Because they were very intelligent. They were good kids. They all spoke very good English. And they learnt and learnt and learnt and learnt and they remembered and they retained. But my worry was when they went to university or wherever, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have the practical experience to to take that knowledge further. But that's for people on a sort of on a bigger pay grade than me to decide. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, of course. But um, but you you mentioned a point that is actually the most important aspect of education that is not education in itself but is what you're going to do with that mm-hmm. later on right yeah. yeah so it's the access to whatever work or profession or skills yes. or passion yes mm. but uh, you know it, it's sort of i i'm always, I'm, I'm always continually surprised by what comes up from what i learned at school how useful that has been. It wasn't always useful when I was 20, mm-hmm. but little things come back and you think, oh yeah, I learned that at school. Um, sort of things like that are useful later in life, mm-hmm. just little things, the odd things that you wouldn't think about normally. But, uh, you know. Well, what kind of science do you teach? Is um, natural science or bio- Mainly biology, I biology. But I also did talk physics. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, physics fascinates me, but I'm not as good at understanding physics as I am biology. So I can only teach physics to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Other past past that, it's beyond me. But uh, I did I do enjoy physics. I think it's fascinating. So. Yeah, it's where we are potentially getting to know more about mm. also humanity and yeah. the future, and uh, you know that's. Something yes. to where still a lot of discoveries yes. has to be done, right? But thinking about biology as well, you you need. I was when I was last uh, uh, last weekend into a butterfly. It was called the House of the Butterflies. Oh yes. So there were like uh, butterflies for like big rooms from different continents, right, mm-hmm. with different temperatures. So so you they were you know. Growing the yeah. butterfly and then let them then fly yeah. so people could walk and see the butterfly flying around. But there was some information that basically there are several millions of animals and creatures in the world, mm-hmm. but it's just one tenth of what we effectively uh, we we could discover. Right, so we had, we discovered just a little little part. 
so there is a lot as well there that we have no idea and that that that's fascinating as well right? yeah 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 and I, I think sort of one of the duties of any teacher but probably more so a science teacher is to create a sense of curiosity mm-hmm um, to allow children to to ask questions and sort of you know think about things and sort of follow processes through and ask well what, if I do this and this and this what will happen then mm-hmm. and I think something I think in both countries that's been lost to a degree both in the UK and here that um, you know people think only maybe two steps ahead mm-hmm. and they don't think the next sort of three steps after that and so the sort of consideration of consequences is lessened mm-hmm. but education I think I think is going to change um, much more with uh, also the, the social media and internet mm. oh, so yeah, like yeah. I, I can learn from uh, teachers in all over the world and professors all over the world just by staying at home yeah no I think that's definitely going to change and sort of I'm sort of a teaching dinosaur now because all the technology they use in the classroom now and things like that I don't know how to use Mm -hmm. and haven't never used and they have interactive whiteboards and things like that Mm -hmm. sort of look at it and think what's wrong with a piece of chalk (laughs) 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 but I'm I'm sort of probably (laughs) past my best on that yeah and uh, and what what about English so you you teach also English yes yes so how is the the learning of English from Slovak perspective like uh, do you think it comes quite easy from this Um, basis or I would hesitate to say it comes easy, I think. But Slovaks try very hard. Um, one of the things I would say, when I first started teaching English, the, the school sort of said, we've got this English native English teacher, mm-hmm. come and learn native English from a native English teacher. And I actually think that's wrong. I think there is a form of English that I call European English. Yeah. And I think that's what Slovaks should learn. It's they should learn English so they can talk to German people, so they can talk to Italian people, so they can talk to people from France. And that sort of English is very different to what I speak with my husband or my family or my friends mm-hmm. at home. And so while I think there's a great deal of kudos in being able to speak English like a native, I'm not entirely sure it's as useful as being able to speak English like a European. Mm. As far as a native then can also understand, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most, I think you would understand, if you learnt sort of what I call European English, you would understand a native speaker. Yeah. But to get the idiom and the sort of, the, a lot of English words only differ a tiny little bit. They only have, there's only a nuance of, Mm-hmm. meaning difference and for an English speaker that gives some meaning to what they're saying but for a, a foreign speaker of English I don't think that's necessary now if you want to make a lifetime study of English 
and become really, really fluent, then you do need a native speaker to teach you. Mm. But if you just want to be able to talk to somebody on the end of the phone in Germany who's in a different company, then learning that uh, that detail of English, I think, is unnecessary mm-hmm. and probably counterproductive. <laughs> I, I, for me, it would be uh, un- feeling so unnatural to, to try to speak so much close to native right yeah. it's it, it, even i mean i don't have the the mouth <laughs> for it <laughs> like it somehow it developed in a different way so i it, i couldn't manage but even if i try maybe 20 years to mm-hmm. uh, try try you will always spot that oh, that's the italian dude there right mm-hmm. so uh, but perhaps maybe i don't know the um uh, good way and proper way how to pronounce uh, yes. it's still it's yes. still needed. yeah pronunciation is probably still important um and being able to speak clearly yeah. and slowly um yes yes i think that is important and most of the lessons i taught were conversation lessons people mm-hmm. just wanted to talk to me Chat, yeah. have me correct the conversation and uh, that was fun I enjoyed that I found out a lot about people doing that and oh yeah uh, you know and so that was good um, but yeah I, I think there when a Slovak comes to you and says I want to learn English pardon me you need to teach them differently than you would teach somebody an English person English if you like if you, you don't teach them English in the same way you would teach English in mm-hmm. school that that's not helpful I don't think okay people may disagree but no, I, I, I always wonder how is it for a native English speaker to mm. see the world yeah. that mostly it's considered that language as you know the let's say the frank language for mm. talking all around but at the same time when I because my, part of what I'm doing is you know I do videos right so I um, tend to spend a lot of time reviewing the recording mm. and many are in the corporate where few are native but many everybody speaking so and I notice mistakes here mistakes there and and uh, ways like you cannot explain the concept in this way because I understand it, but it's not the right way to do. But yeah. still, still, it's understandable, right? Yeah. So, uh, how yeah. is your experience with that? Like, are you just like, yeah, no, that's the total mistake, or that guy's, oh. or is it different? Most of the time, I think it is slightly different. Uh, what you have to bear in mind about the UK is that first of all, you've got Scotland, yeah. where they have a very strong accent that a lot of English people don't understand. Okay. You've got Wales, again, where they have another accent. You've got Cornwall, where they have another accent. And those three countries also have their own languages. Then you've got all the regional differences mm-hmm. within England itself. So people in Northumbria speak differently to people who live in Birmingham, who speak differently to people mm-hmm. who live on the south coast. And then on top of all that, we have, because of the Commonwealth, Um, We have a lot of people from India and the Indian subcontinent. We have a lot of people from Africa and from Jamaica. And they all, again, speak English in a slightly different way. And so as a native speaker in England, 
I'm used to hearing English spoken in lots of different ways mm -hmm. and with lots of different idioms and lots of different words. And so when I hear someone in France or Slovakia or in Europe speaking English and making little mistakes, it doesn't it doesn't affect me that much. I, I don't notice it that much. Where I do notice it is in written English, when things are written down. Um, if there's a mistake in written English, I do tend to pick up on it. But in terms of speaking, I'm just used to English being spoken in so many different ways that I don't notice it. But there is always a correct way yeah, to say it yeah. in somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere in the somewhere world, there is a correct is. way. You know, that is the correct way of saying it. So, And I mean, there's Australian English. The yeah, people yeah, yeah. in Australia speak it differently. Canada. So, no, US, Canada. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So English is spoken Even in many Malta, different perhaps ways. Even more perhaps, kind of English. <laughs> true. Never thought of it in, yeah. in this way, but um, yeah. yeah I, I, if so you let's say that from a Slovak speaker, you can feel more yeah. uh, less intention when you speak yeah. with a native or yeah. just to try to be as correct as possible, yeah. but don't just imitate yeah. the I, I think accent being so here, on. I have changed the way I speak. Mm -hmm. I've lost my accent. I don't use slang as much. I don't use as much idiom as I used to. Mm -hmm. um, mainly so that people can understand me. If mm -hmm. I talk the way I used to talk at home, people would find it very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I've simplified the way I speak over here. Um, but so but and from the other side, is an improvement in the communication. It's not a it's, decrease of the quality, but it's, it's like it's it's, you have more reach. It's an adaption. It's an adoption. That's what this experience has been all about, isn't it? Adaption. I've adapted to mm -hmm. all sorts of different things. So how, how different is Vicky after uh, her Slovak experience? Oh, wow. Um... I'm certainly more confident in myself. Mm -hmm. um, having been t whisked out of my comfort zone and dropped into my bubble in Pishtani, <laughs> um, I have a lot more confidence in myself. I um, certainly improve from that point of view. Um, funnily enough, I've become more sociable, but not in Slovakia. When I go back to England, I speak to anybody, mm -hmm. and before I came out here, I was quite reticent to talk to strangers. I wouldn't talk to people, and mm -hmm. now I just go back and chat to anybody. <laughs> I think that's partly the joy of using English. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, so I've become more outgoing in that point of view. Um, it's definitely changed the pers my perception of the world. Um, I didn't understand how Europe had come together and formed and the history and all that sort of thing. Um, I understand that a lot more now and I can see where think why things have started to mm -hmm. happen and why things have gone where they've gone. Um, I can drive on the right side of the road as well as the left. <laughs> That's useful as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sort of things. And there's been no great change there's been no epiphany or anything like that but i think a series of small things have changed i think i'm probably better for the experience mm -hmm. 
And what about the uh, the culinary experience in Slovakia? The culinary. Yeah, kind of. So like the food and <laughs> cooking. And, yeah. Okay, I do enjoy some Slovak food. I'm afraid I'm one of those people who can't eat a whole bowl of halushki. Mm-hmm. The brinza just seems to get stronger and stronger and stronger, and I can't finish it. I enjoy the first few bites, but, uh, but no, again, it's one of the things. Um, we're, we're leaving to go back to the UK this summer, mm-hmm. and one of the things we've asked for from the place where my husband works is rather than them buy us a leaving present or something like that, we've asked everybody to donate a recipe, a family recipe. And sign it, and we're going to turn that into a little Slovak cookbook. Mm-hmm. And so things like the soups, we don't have the same soups in the UK as we do over here. I think the soups are marvellous. Mm-hmm. It's been a real art over here. <laughs> I mean, being Italian, you're probably used to better food than I am in the UK. But <laughs> not soups, eh? not soups. Not soups, no. Soups, not at all. Yeah. I mean, there is the popular minestrone, but... Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. nothing special. The soup is an art form in this country, I think. And uh, sort of the traditional things like the coleno, the pork knee, yeah, yeah. and things like that. They're just something you'd never see in the UK. So that's been fun. But on the whole, I like Slovak cooking. But uh, it's probably not very good for you if you eat it all the time. I suspect all the pork fat, mm. <laughs> the smoked meats and everything. I, they, they're wonderful, but I'm not sure you should eat that every day. It's not like the kind of stereotype of healthy no. kitchen. No, yeah. no, no. But it does taste good once in a while. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> and Slovak wine I like very much as well, the white wine mm-hmm. over here. I think that's a well-kept secret. I don't suppose they produce enough to export, but uh, we've really enjoyed the wine over here. It's been very nice. Um, so, yeah. And um, uh, the, the traditional uh, food is uh, something... Alushki or not Alushki? What's your... I'm probably the not a Halushki, but I am a Kalena. Okay. <laughs> Not Alushki, but yeah, Not Alushki, but Kalena is good. I like brinza when it's not cooked. If mm-hmm. it's raw and spread on bread with mm-hmm. onions, I like brinza then, but I don't like cooked brinza very much. Yeah. Anything you're particularly missing from the UK selection of yes. sausages and cheddar cheese? <laughs> okay. English sausages and cheddar cheese. <laughs> Are the that two are things like we really miss. Fresher or different? Or? Uh, they're different. They're just totally different. I, I don't know if you've ever had an English sausage, but it bears no resemblance to any sausage that's on the continent, really. Mm. Um, it's a. I wouldn't actually know how no, exactly it's, because I've been in England. I've been yeah. to, uh, mostly only to London, but uh, I, yeah. you know, then the breakfast or hotels mm. there were sausages, but I. Yeah, you didn't. I wouldn't recognize anything in particular, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a uniquely British thing, I okay. think, the British sausage. Um, it's a bit like halushki. You don't get it anywhere else. You only get it in Britain. Um, but yeah, I would say sausages I've missed. And the cheddar cheeses. We, we bring back great big mm-hmm. pieces of cheddar whenever we can um, because that's, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things I really miss. We both miss cheese. Mm-hmm. 
it just tastes so different to the cheese you get here and it, mm. it's also probably an integral part of the way I cook I use cheese in certain ways that maybe you don't over here um, and cheddar cheese just works better so yeah cheddar and maybe marmite but you can get marmite in Tesco's there so. it tastes the same right <laughs> it's not as different marmite uh, organized with like for for uh, Slovak customers, it, it's the yeah, same, it's the right? same marmite. It's yes, same marmite. yes. But when we first came over ten years ago, there was no marmite mm-hmm. on the shelves, and it's gradually. I think maybe as people have come back to Slovakia from the UK, the sort of demand for some things has increased. So, I've started to see marmite. I've started to see Indian mango pickle mm-hmm. and Indian curry pastes and things like that probably in the last five years that weren't here when mm. we first came over so I think that's probably the influence of Slovaks returning from the UK and there being a demand for some things like no, at that. least for who is durable right? for you know sausage potentially fresh so mm. marmite it lasts forever yeah marmite so. lasts forever yes so. that's a different <laughs> point but yeah I would say that they have a similar um, experience like the, the, the sausage from Italy, right, that they usually have for risotto or for barbecue, they are made in a different way, right, yes. so the, the taste is very, and it's still the same source, right, yeah. still a pork, Yes. but perhaps the knowledge, how it's made and so yeah. on, it's uh, unique from the part, yeah. where you, and transferring the meat is, is harder, mm. right, you might transfer steaks, Yes. Right? I don't know, you have the steaks from Uruguay yeah, and yeah. Argentina and so on, yeah. Angus, eh? but harder for uh, yeah, that particular thing. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anything else that uh, you would like to share with um. our listeners about your Slovak experience? think of really I all I can say is thank you Slovakia it's been a really positive experience in my life I've enjoyed it very very much mm-hmm. um, and in a lot of ways I shall be sad to go back to the UK there will be things here that I will miss now in the same way as there are things I miss in the UK mm-hmm. at the moment so you know it's but it's time for a new adventure So good luck for that. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you everyone for listening to my Slovak experience. See you at the next interview. Till then, have fun, share and enjoy. So did you like my Slovak experience podcast? If yes, you can share it with your friends and peers. They can listen it from many sources, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Tuning Radio, or Spotify. And now you can also watch us on video while we are recording on YouTube. Thank you.